Welcome to Left Jest, home of the laughs. I am your host, Alex Patak, here again at the Alex Patak Studios and uh, not in an alley. I'm here with my co-host, Anders Lee. Anders Lee here. How you doing? And my other co-host, Raghav Mehta. Hi. I like the rolling R's. It rolling makes R. it sound like you're going to box or something. Yeah. I mean, you're not, but... You know, one Have day. you boxed ever? No. <laughs> Why you want to? Yeah. You should I, see Raghav on Boxing Day. <laughs> the rest of the episode right? is just Anders and I <laughs> punching each other. It would no audio. It'd be like the <laughs> longest boxing match. <laughs> okay, 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 or the okay, shortest. Okay. So how do you punch again? <laughs> you boys are out of control, but this is a real bro down today. Uh, we are joined by our esteemed guest, stand-up comedian extraordinaire, also from Minnesota, David... The TV Twidey. You you forgot teen heartthrob. I thought the T stood for TV. Iconoclast. Teenage girls do let yesterday we're at a Renaissance man. Yo, you got nice boots, man. Seven 15 year old girls showed up just to see David's set last night. It was amazing. I wasn't there. At a mic? At a mic. Yeah, they weren't allowed in. It was a bar. Yeah, they watched from outside. It was, you know, just overturned trash cans in the street outside. Sometimes I'll be barking and underage girls will want to get in because there will be alcohol and then I'll get them in because it's easy because no one wants to come in a comedy show and then we both benefit. Mm. And I want to say that into a recording that's going out to the nation. Wow. Um, I love young girls. Great to have everyone here. You heard it here first and last. (laughs) Alex loves young girls. We're going to be boxed to death. We're talking shop today. So we had a previous episode on stand-up where we broke down Dennis Miller and Bill Hicks oh, the for two, a long time. The two finest. The titans. Yeah. <laughs> when you think of stand-up comedy, who do you think of? Dennis Miller, Miller Lite, Coors Light, Dennis Miller, Bill Hicks, Big Bill Hicks, Big Bill, H- the Big Bill Haywood to, of comedy. People seem to be confusing stand-up with beer in this estimation. Hey, of talking about political stand-up without talking about Dennis Miller is like talking about Andrew Jackson without talking about the first Seminole War, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like talking about Dwight Eisenhower without talking about the Potsdam Conference, you know? It's like talking about a- another specific reference. Where am I? In Papa Smurf's farm without his minion, Gars Fool, who's there for an episode? My favorite thing still on that last... <laughs> yeah, yeah that's where you are. references got really weird later <laughs> in his right. career. We watched a video where he yelled at the audience, do you want another sub-reference? And they were like, yeah! And they went, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Narnia! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll be getting into uh, the sub-references we make in our stand. Right. <laughs> so David... You know everyone in this room but me for a long time, right? Is this true at all? Uh, well, no, I've known you and Anders about the same amount of time. Oh, okay. I didn't yeah. meet Anders. I met I both of these here. guys. We're all from Minnesota, but I met both of them in uh, NYC. Right, but if you check your Heartland blood, I mean, you can see their ref- faces in the reflections of the past. Yeah, we have probably been in the same coffee shops, movie theaters, <laughs> Mines, streets, buses, uh, Twins games. The, twins games, yeah. yeah. You ever take the 21A, bus 21A? Nah, man. I don't think I ever took the bus in Minneapolis. Okay. Silos of corn. <laughs> I don't know what is over there. <laughs> it's more Iowa, I think. Yeah. yeah. I'm generalizing. We have I'm no a, corn in Minnesota. In northeast oh. snob. What do we even farm? 
Uh, lots of grain. Grain? Yeah, yeah. in like southern Minnesota, there's a lot of grain. Uh, iron ore. Mining. Yeah, we mine. <laughs> you need a lot of Shit. grain to develop comedians who go against the grain. That's true. That's, what we have and that's our show, guys. Have a good day. <laughs> yeah, thanks for tuning in. Well, is that... Uh, you, you feel as people started... Well, I guess you didn't start in the Midwest, but you uh, nah. were doing it there for a while. Is there a certain uh, mold that you feel pressured to kind of uh, comport with as a as a comedian in the middle America that's different, different in, in New York? People are a little more... Do you feel like you have more freedom to do try different things here or is it uh nope no you have the same um yeah i don't know it's pretty much the same yeah I, uh, we really had you labeled as a good old boy <laughs> uh, yeah i like uh I, I don't think there's any particular theme to stand up in the in the midwest like uh in minnesota there are a lot of com like rog have spent more time there than i did doing stand-up yeah but, like, there are uh <laughs> It's left a huge imprint on his voice. Uh, Raghav is having from. his hype guy stand Bad. in for him for the rest of this episode. Damn! <laughs> uh, good comics are different everywhere, and bad comics are pretty much the same everywhere. Ooh. Like, uh, so, Minnesota, a lot of shitting on any of the bordering states. Like, a lot of, like, I was Indiana. in... Indiana? No. Wisconsin. Yeah, it's like, oh, I was in Wisconsin the other day because my career's taken off, and it's like, it, it's the same place. Yeah, exactly. it's the same exact fucking state, yeah. <laughs> well, something I kind of noticed when I go back there is, like, there is something that I haven't seen here so much, and I don't know that it would play as well, which is, like, older... Got usually men, but sometimes women talking about marriage, talking about having kids, and that sort of thing. Uh, I don't see a lot of that in Brooklyn. Well, that's more of a demographic thing. I don't yeah. think there are like a bunch of like dudes in their forties with kids who are gonna like pack up the family and move them to Bushwick. You know? Right. Yeah. And but, when you hear about that, it makes me very sad because mm-hmm. <laughs> I have heard about it. Yeah, you see that here at like clubs, right? And uh, maybe some Manhattan shows, but. Uh, Usually, you wouldn't want to do that in front of a bunch of uh, cool teens. We I'm call them, right? beginning to realize I cannot make anyone older than 45 laugh. and uh, That might be a good thing. Yeah. I don't know what to do about it, because I'm only going to stay unrelatable. When I started, it was like mostly 40-year-olds. Like the, There were three clubs in town. You could perform at two of them pretty regularly. There were some bar shows. There wasn't an alt scene at all. There is kind of now, but it's not very developed. Mm-hmm. But it's I think one that gave... mime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think that gave a lot of us an advantage because we could like, you know, go do whatever weird, absurd stuff we wanted in our own rooms. But then we still had to play the clubs because we needed stage time bad enough. Right. Uh, and there weren't too many people at the clubs, so we could usually get in eventually. Um, so now, like. If I were to like go on the quote unquote road, I could I could hold my own. I wouldn't do as well as some other people, but yeah, it teaches you that. I th- I think you could, uh, Alex. I think you could entertain the the old folk. I like you got maybe it's just a specific demographic of old you, folk you, I'm getting. Very around. very clever comedian. You got like a very nice boy face. Uh, the you you can sort of get like uh, I've done. Shows in front of like older crowds where you sort of get like a grandson effect where they're like, oh, look at look at him. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, like, dude. I don't think it can make them laugh, but older women really like me. Mm-hmm. You're such a nice boy. They trust me and they don't think I'll steal from them, which is where I get my <laughs> in. 
It's mostly, yeah, you got to do your not stealing from you material in <laughs> Look, front of the old Look, I'm people. not stealing. Yeah. That's a really I'm solid premise. I'm on the premise. stage. <laughs> I'm not stealing. <laughs> not a thief. Not um, a thief. Wait, so uh, David, where exactly have you done stand-up? Uh, I started in Seattle, Washington. Word. Right after I graduated college. Uh, I was there for about a year and a half, and then I moved to... Uh, I moved to D.C. with like there was like a six month intermission where I was living with my folks in Minneapolis. So uh, I was in D.C. for like four years and then I moved to New York uh, a little bit more than a year ago. To the top of the crop. Sure. What's been your favorite place to do it so far? I know those are wildly different stages in your stand up. Yeah. From the beginning to a long middle and a nice place to right. I this mean, like, hellhole. It's like, like I still I still sort of miss uh, Seattle in some ways, but I think more than anything, I just miss being 22 and having that fucking kind of confidence that I had then. Oh, that like, sounds I'm, nice. I'm so much better at this than I used to be, but I don't have nearly the same level of just like blinkered confidence where where it's like oh this is genius i gotta take this in front of some people i was it a sex appeal thing uh yeah i was a real hot 22 year old and uh as you can see it's all gone downhill since then uh, I think because looking at he David, looks exactly the same. <laughs> He's not aged a day since. He has like a 12. wispy look until you look at the lines on his face and the <laughs> the years. Mostly <laughs> smile lines, though, man. What a ride it's been. Uh, but yeah, I think like DC was amazing because uh, I happened to get there at a really good time where there was like there was like a really good wave of uh, young comics, a lot of whom are up here now. Uh, Ryan Shutt, uh, Tyler Richardson, um, Jamel Johnson is a guy who's in uh, Los Angeles now. He was he was there. He never he didn't really get out and do the mics. We all kind of uh, he just did the shows. He was real edge lord. Yeah, he just did really good shows that only the president gets. Yeah, yeah. It's (laughs) like oh, he's at the Kennedy Center. How'd he get that? (laughs) Uh, Do do you find yourself? Do you ever end up performing? for politicians or anything like that no i talked to john f o'donnell once who was just like you never know when you're talking to these beltway types if condies oh the well they end up being yeah <laughs> condies at the alamo draft house uh, yeah i'm pretty sure that if condy showed up at the dc improv someone would mention it to you before you went on stage that would be just as like a oh wow and she's let's, here let's please stop calling her condy uh, we're very close uh, now right. we'll call her mrs rice as she's known i call her rice Roni. yeah i mean like like a couple of Dan Nine sightings, you know, but uh, I see one of the last times I was in D.C., I did a show that Dan Nine was on, not to brag, but uh, wow. he um, oh, yeah, dude. Sp- <laughs> speaking of not some of that, I did not. Uh, but he told a little story in his set about how he somehow got to perform for then President Obama the night before he made the announcement that he was okay with gay people getting married. And in his set, he has some joke about gay marriage. The The particular joke, um, I have blocked out of my memory because it was so bad, but he credits himself with pushing Convincing. Obama yeah, wow. to be in favor That's of gay marriage. That's the power of comedy. <laughs> 
That's what we wanted the power to talk of the about today. God. It's just like when I think about like why my career isn't uh, further along at this point, I'm like, if I could just delude myself a little bit harder, that seems to be a difference maker it's for a lot of a people. Such a big part of it. Yeah. You know, there's but, been a lot of nine and nine and sightings on the subway lately. It's true. Yeah, yeah. I saw a pic of him. A few of them. He's yeah, like yeah. he's With, like the like the albino alligators in the yeah. store. Like, With the changing of the stars, the nine and are back in the streets (laughs) well he um he's somebody who kind of got around the club system right because he can't get booked anywhere right like no uh, yeah but he somehow makes a living he cheated his way into a bunch of clubs he's a con man Oh, he shows. That's right. He like shows up and says, "Yeah, yeah you, just stuff." I mean, there are other there are other podcasts that have covered right, this right. We very don't need to. Exhaustively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do recommend them, but uh, uh-huh. um, yeah, read about Dan Nainen in the Daily Beast. Uh, it's a trip. It's Check it incredible. Out. What a story. Uh, Otherwise, but, don't read the Daily Beast ever. But like, uh, DC wasn't the comedy there wasn't like overtly political or anything you get like obviously there are a lot of people who work for the government or our journalists or whatever and there is a different character to the crowds now that trump is president like when i was they all have guns <laughs> yeah well you did you did hats. a joke about nigel farage right yeah recently. yeah what happened when when you told that so i was i was in dc at uh the big hunt which is it, it's it's basically a full-time comedy club now. It's this uh, bar basement where they do shows on the weekends. And uh, I was doing a bit about... I had a bit about Nigel Farage. And when I was like, do you guys know who Nigel Farage is? Everyone went, woo! And I was like, <laughs> was like there's no... Very unironically. This is the first time that name has ever gotten that reaction anywhere, I think. I know the name, but I do not remember who Nigel Farage is. He's, he's the head the, of the Leave part. Or UKIP. UKIP, yeah. Yeah, yeah. UK, and they wanted to... He pushed for Brexit. He was a big Brexit nice, backer. yeah. Yeah, and he's like, you'll get that healthcare money. And it's then as soon back. as it Woo. passed, he's like, nope. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, Nigel Farage again. It was, it was pretty badass, yeah. But did you finish the joke? Yeah, and the... like. The joke did well, but it was very disconcerting. Yeah, yeah. I remember that I was... Do you think you caused Brexit? <laughs> well, this was I mean, after Did this. you push him Sometimes, over? Sometimes, but I got a lot of anxiety that's not necessarily attached to anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> David's like, I hope so. <laughs> that would be huge for your career, probably. There, there was a the comedian who brought you Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> the comedian who collapsed the EU. <laughs> there was a lot of talk around New York when Donald Trump was picking someone to do stand-up for, or he was looking for entertainers for his inauguration. Mm-hmm. And just our, uh, like, personally, my Facebook feed was flooded with, like, yeah, I don't know who's taking that gig, piece of shit, Donald Trump. They'd be lucky to get Kid Rock or whatever. And it's like... You motherfuckers are the most desperate people I have ever met. In oh, my I, life. Would, I would. Eighty-five percent of right. you would in do a it. heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, we would all do it. That's a great <laughs> example. And you could just Stephen Colbert that shit, or you could not. Yeah, Either if you way. can, if you or can, whatever. I mean, just hiring me does enough to like not normalize this White House. <laughs> it's like we got great entertainers. We got Toby Keith. We got David Twitey from Last Comic Standing's <laughs> top five most awkward exits. Like we, <laughs> no one's gonna be like, oh well, if Twitey's on board, then I guess uh, this guy can't be all bad. <laughs> Who did they didn't did they end up booking a comic for that? Dan Nanan. Dan Nanan oh, did too. Yeah. That's Dan right. Nanan. I keep saying Nanan. 
All right, so he is relevant, kind of. Super. Yeah. Relevant. Yeah. He's on the tip of the tongue. America's been moving towards him, you know? <laughs> he might be president <laughs> he, one day. He staked out his terrain, and everyone's sort of come his way without even realizing it. They've uh, moved towards the 7-Eleven where he's buying his sushi. He's going to warm up like Zuckerberg crowds when Zuckerberg runs. That's the comedian they I would I thought pick. you were implying that he will run for president against David Zuckerberg. Uh, Mark, Mark, Mark Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. Uh, Mark's brother, David. Uh- <laughs> against Barry Zuckercorn. <laughs> And just fucking how good would that be? I'm just like, I don't know, one of them's a billionaire and invented Facebook, but the other one is a guy who lies about being 25. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, Dan Ninen won't even be eligible to be president for like another few years. (laughs) Oh, right. Because he's only 31, I think. He's just at the cusp of being a millennial. That's like he... 9-11 9-11 baby. Um, <laughs> 9-11 baby? <laughs> when you think of who does and who's nailing the political comedy around the country these days, though, he is a guy you think of. And it really just speaks he to has, the nature of political comedy right now. He has now. a terrific Bill Clinton impression. Yeah. Does he really? <laughs> oh, is Bill in the room? Is Bill was in it? the was room? It, is that a ghost? I don't even... Oh, no. Bill? <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys, are you guys familiar with the Dennis uh, Miller generator? Speaking of great... There's a generator? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know about this toy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I've been uh, using David. Let, let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's pick a guy. Uh, so Dan Ninen. So it's a generator. I'll pull it up, and it just comes up with an absurd analogy. And it's uh, Dan Ninen. Uh, this guy is so peevish, he makes Bob Kane look like Lenny Reifenstahl. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's do one more. Wait, I like that that one makes Lenny Riefenstahl someone who's not at all peevish. She's known for her mellow attitude. Dan Ninen. This guy is so pig-headed, he makes Amarillo Slim look like Irving Berlin. Oh, oh a ry- kind of a rhyme. I don't it's know. Not bad. Check out the Dennis Miller generator, guys. Is, is it DennisMillerGenerator.com? Yes. DennisMillerGenerator.com for all you Oh, it's a Tumblr. Tumblr for all you Milleristas that listen to the show. This is not an anti capitalist generator. It is a dot com. Uh, Miller. We have to Dennis Miller. It. So, you guys, uh, full disclosure, were childhood chums. Is that. That's. We knew each other in fourth grade. Yeah. And we talk about Metal Gear Solid a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And then over the years, we developed a close bond. A solid friendship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just but, checking. And was that something that kind of, like, got you into comedy? Like, having a bud, like, talking about it? Like, dude, you gotta... I don't ch- know if we ever explicitly talked about comedy in that way, but we, like, liked the same things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we like uh, we were on like the TV news thing for school, so we made like dumb sketches. I guess uh. what you would call sketches uh, in that time. But yeah, it was never like focused. Like, yeah, we're into yeah. comedy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Did our our own AV club thing where we basically just uh, I don't know stole bits from Anchorman or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I we talked about this on the podcast saw before. Parody where... in my parents' basement bathroom. <laughs> Oh, that's if, great. If you don't know what you're doing and you are performing comedy uh, around our generation, you might just end up saying things from movies. Like I had an improv graduation where I couldn't think of a line and just started using Anchorman quotes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because people and like it. I'm in a glass case of emotion. <laughs> and that's all. That's funny all you need when you're young. The most funny fun. The most it. fun you'll ever ever have doing comedy is when you were young around your dumb friends, yeah. quoting things and being idiots. There's yeah. no pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. My friends and I, when I was like really little, we used to spend hours rehashing Simpsons episodes, like the the actual episodes themselves. What twenty twenty one minutes. Uh, but it would take an hour to just go through and dissect like every single joke line by line. Yeah. Well, one thing that really I didn't know how to articulate it when I was a kid, but one thing that really bothered me was when people would like fuck up a joke from something. They'd like quote something they and misquote it, or or they'd get the words right but fuck up the timing. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, no, it's this, and they're like, that's what I said, and it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> My many friends were always so mad when I did that. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to talk um, with with you guys in general because you've done more comedy out of the city, and I pretty much like I've been to some other places, but it's mostly mostly just doing comedy in New York, and so you don't really get if you're not in the clubs as intimate with the business side of comedy. Like you, you don't get paid here, and I know Raga, we were talking about this a few weeks ago when you joined that like moving from uh minnesota to here you have to adjust from getting paid sometimes to do comedy to uh clawing other people's eyes out for three minutes where no one sees you you got to get a drink ticket if even only yeah. when you don't want it <laughs> that's yeah, my exactly. experience <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it, it was definitely uh it was like a shock like the last year and a half i was in minnesota i was able to travel and i had like a very flexible job and I was making some money, still not that much. Uh, but it's very easy to eventually make something of a living in the Midwest if you just do it long enough uh, because the market is so small. And especially because a lot of younger guys weren't doing the road or whatnot. But yeah, it was really nice to be able to go to a club and like feature for three nights and then just go home and do your open mics and do your shows with your friends. Um, whereas here, you're just doing eight-minute bar spots over and over again. Do these places feel like small businesses or does it feel like you're interacting with some like, sure, this may be one chuckle bucket, but it is one of many and I oh, can't like, put my hand in the gears or else oh, it's all like coming franchises, down. You mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, no, the ones I did were just like, yeah. you know, one off clubs there. Some of them were nicer than others. Like comedy club at state of Madison is great, uh, but there's only one of those. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, just, they felt like small businesses. Um, I think the one, I won't say where it was, there's one that I'm pretty sure has like mob connections or something, mm. and it was like half run by mobsters. Now, I've seen The Sopranos, and they love to laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony's always cracking jokes. He's always Wait, where, saying a yuck. This is in the Midwest? Somewhere. <laughs> he's, wow. he's not saying where. It's in New Jersey. I mean, it's we'll run by The out, Sopranos. Right? It's, it's in Oh, and they okay. have. Oh, I thought it used to be like that. Now it's not anymore. Yeah, I used talk. To, I oh, try. Yeah, yeah, I wanted yeah, to get. They're closed this summer, but I actually messaged them about. Yeah, uh, I don't stuff. think they're, you have to. I don't what, think you have to worry about. You it, just so. have what, to like, offer them a favor to be oh, named okay. later. <laughs> what ethnicity is there? They're closed in the summer. They uh, for like a few weeks in July. Oh, okay. But what ethnicity is their mafia? I think they're. I think Eric, the, <laughs> the man, owner, is Italian. They have an Italian mafia in Milwaukee. 
It's fun to my God. advance the editing process of our interview, I think. <laughs> wow. I don't Sometimes I just uh, press and play, and that's not happening today, people. <laughs> uh, so when I, lived in, when I lived in D.C., without really going out of town that much or making that much of a concerted effort at booking, I was making like an extra four or $500 a month just doing shows around town, just like picking up like 50 bucks here, a hundred bucks there. That seems like- huge to me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, and it does to me now too. I didn't even realize how much I like, not necessarily depended on that income, but how much how much of a boon that was to uh, my drinking problem, I guess. Yeah, it's uh, almost rent. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. I've had very limited experience with the clubs in New York, mostly because um, when I was interacting with them, it was right at the beginning, and it felt very, very predatory. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the kind of feel? Like, do, do everybody always complains about going to work and having you know your boss feel like they're just taking advantage of you or trying to get through the work week or something like that? And the fact that comedy is labor to a certain extent because there are people making money from it mm-hmm. at some point. Uh, there's still that kind of weird bottom line exploitation that happens somewhere. And I'm so curious about that. And just interest. Do you have any like interesting stories where people tried to hose you or like, uh, I mean, that doesn't happen anywhere the way that it happens in New York or probably Los Angeles. Uh, the, every, every club is different. Uh, when I started in Seattle, the club there, uh, the comedy underground didn't pay MCs. Which I didn't mind at the time because I so just rappers. I <laughs> I started I started emceeing there when I was like six months in, and I realized pretty quickly that they were booking the emcees so haphazardly that I could just show up on a lot of Thursdays, and they'd be like, "Hey, you want to host this week? <laughs> You're our guy." Yeah. Yeah. So I was like doing like two uh like two hosting weekends a month for a while, and didn't get paid for any of it which i wouldn't do that now but at the time it was like this is great i well, didn't six have to... months into comedy like how good was your mc and... i don't know i had like my seven minutes of jokes i would go up be like hey guys there, there was like a manager who that was my classic opening line was hey guys hey guys and uh, they'd all clap after <laughs> that yeah uh but only the, the fellows the the manager there was at the time was very obsessed with like making sure i asked if it was anyone's birthday <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just didn't give a shit so i'd be like hey any birthdays here tonight and so i go like yeah no. and it's like Hooray! And I just do my seven minutes and then nice. bring up the feature. Uh, I mean, no, I didn't. I definitely didn't have it down to an art at that point. Uh, Yo, that's my fucking favorite thing when comedy hosts ask questions to the audience but don't have material about it. So mm-hmm. they're just like, who's bought a house in here? All right. Way to go. Like every single one of my audience interactions. Also, not paying host is a low move. Bad move. Yeah. yeah. Move. Always pay host. They do now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's a club like that in uh, the Midwest. Uh, they pay host, but it's like 50 bucks a week to do five shows. So you're, you mm. basically felt, and it's for a month, so it basically felt like doing an internship. And the club is good, and like they'll have you host again, and you could eventually move up to feature. But uh, as far as like it being predatory, no, I never felt like I was being exploited. I, I felt like everything was on the table, and it was pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Um, there are definitely shittier, uh, some deals that are shittier than others. But uh, yeah, I think in a smaller environment like that, 
people aren't as desperate. Oh. The club owners aren't as desperate either. I have one specific experience that I always think about whenever I think about the clubs. And it's uh, right after I started comedy, like six weeks in, I agreed to do a bringer show. Uh, and this was just at some club open mic. And it's a guy who doesn't work there anymore. But he was like... He was not a funny guy. He wasn't one of the comics. He didn't seem like a booker. He was just a guy who was on heroin, <laughs> who was at the venue a lot. Hey, He's that's like, a hell of a hook. And he would go around with a clipboard at the end of the open mic and be like, you're, you're so great. Please come and do my my show. And then uh, <laughs> if you could turn that down, uh, you were one of the lucky ones. But he had a certain wink in his eye. This one... This one area that uh, DC open mics were sorely lacking in was just um, insane people showing up and doing time. Oh yeah, like the comedy cent, the comedy central, uh, the comedy underground in Seattle is amazing for that because the club is located in like in Pioneer Square, which is. It's like right up the street from a homeless shelter. It's just there are always just people wandering around uh, like all hours of the night. But they just have dudes who would just wander in. And like there was uh, one dude who was actually a regular was this guy named Victor Maposa who later started going by the stage name Information Gangsta. And, Fuck, yes. and his thing, he had like a very thick West African accent. And his thing was he would do... It was just street jokes and then like bits about how he wanted to fuck young girls, basically. What part of that is the information part? I don't know. He's not like a tech guy? No, <laughs> he's just the IG, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he said the best, the best sets of his to watch were sometimes he'd do like a minute of street jokes up front that were like... Uh, is like why? How? How is a like? Why do they name hurricanes after women? Because when they show up, they're wet and wild, and when they leave, they take your house and your car, which is a street <laughs> joke that is in the movie Traffic. Like Luis Guzman <laughs> tells that joke in the movie. Uh, but he'd do that, and it would work, you know, because people are fucking idiots, and they don't really know the difference between that and stand up. Well, and you don't know Luis Guzman. <laughs> it's also then, a f- just so, funny that he's saying that, even so, if it is. Yeah, yeah. Right. So he'd do, uh, he'd do like a minute of that, and people would start to relax. And then he'd go into like his his original material, which is like, I need a girl who's looking for a DCP. That's a designated cherry popper. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! So it just takes a very sharp left turn at about the seventy-second mark of his three-minute set. This dude's ruthless with his information. If that dude was here, he'd just be on every subway train. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Not as many. So there weren't as many DCPs in DC. Uh, there weren't as many people looking for someone who needed a DCP ah. anyway. I, I can tell yeah. you that. But. <laughs> it's a few degrees of separation from those uh, cocks. I remember. Do you do you guys remember Alan Shane? Was that he R. was R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah, he's dead now. Well, passed away a couple of years ago. But he used to. I don't know who that is. He was this guy who this old man uh, who's a cab driver. But he was from Kentucky, and he he was just he looked like George Carlin, and he would go to mics and stuff and talk about Nashville pussy. That was his yeah the band. 
No, just uh, vagina. It wasn't in the casually. City of Isn't that a band? It's is a, it too? It's, it's a lifestyle. Right? Oh, God, 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 I'm it sorry. sounds like a guy, like Nashville, Nashville Pussy, Pussy Wilkinson. <laughs> I haven't seen you in some wet years, my friend. <laughs> Actually, the years are quite dry when Nashville Pussy isn't around. <laughs> How long has it been since you stepped in my honky tonk, Pussy? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Nashville Pussy is a band. Is it really? Atlanta, Georgia. You're talking about Nashville Well, what I remember is Maybe every one of his he jokes just the band or the cats. ended with either pussy or asshole, and he would say it, asshole. Gotta eat that ass. Yeah. And he was just a very old man who literally did that until he died. So that was a part was, of all of our lives. So this guy was like your inspiration? Yes. Yeah. Well, see, I remember talking to him one time. I, I was I went up to say hi to him. And he's got his phone out, and <laughs> he he's you a book about socialism. <laughs> yeah, he, he indoctrinated me. Uh, <laughs> no, but he was googling directions to a high school in Texas. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Okay, so what happened? Well, he died, but uh, uh, so yeah. you know, we didn't see the. It's a long car ride, right? Um, <laughs> hell of a cab fare. Yeah. How, How do you die? Like this I think heart failure or something like that. Yeah, he drank a lot of coffee. So there you go. Yeah. Um, Until it came out his ass. <laughs> he also laughed like that. <laughs> I feel like this Devil's is a almost disrespectful to mock this dead man we almost. all knew. <laughs> Love you, Alan. Who inevitably was a sex predator, but who knows? Th- that is such a great... I mean, I, I, like, yeah, those guys are weird. They make people uncomfortable, but that's such a nice relief when you're at an open mic. It's a wonderful that's, change of pace yeah. sometimes. <laughs> right. Just the, the, the like seven people in a row yeah. talking about Netflix. The only, mi- then... only mistake no one should ever make is booking them on a real show. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Sometimes, like, like, there's always a guy, like, Minneapolis had, like, one guy like that, probably, and some people will get a little too carried away, and their ironic enjoyment of them turned into real enjoyment. It's like, oh, no, no, this is not for civilians. Well, no. that I should mean, say here at this open mic. <laughs> I feel like that contained. Ha- that happens in a lot of uh in a lot of smaller scenes where there's like the cool kids table where like the there there'll be like the best you, couple me. of the best couple of shows in town where they'll book like all the people who are like working at the clubs and stuff like that. Yeah. And then the other people will be like, "Well, we're not getting booked. Let's start our own thing that books literally everyone else who's <laughs> yeah, doing yeah. comedy." And they here. dilute the pool. They ruin venues that uh-huh. way. Yeah. That was a huge problem in Minneapolis for a while. And also, I do comedy shows shut down venues in other places like they do here? Every place <laughs> here that starts a comedy everybody. show is just taunting the Reaper, it seems like, because uh, they lose all of their money uh, catering to comics who don't well, buy anything or have money. Yeah, it seems like people here start them very soon into their, uh, quote-unquote, careers. And they don't know what they're doing. And they have no idea how to promote it. And, oh, for sure. And then the venue never wants to do a comedy show again. Yeah. If they're smart. Yeah, exactly. Or they keep doing them and go out of business. <laughs> well, there are, but there are some venues, in all fairness, though, that c- kind of have this. I think this is maybe slightly more of a New York thing, but they have like a business model schizophrenia where they're just like constantly saying like, oh, no, no, well, Wednesdays are supposed to be for like cabaret. No, uh, Tuesdays are like, let's like a music. Uh, we're not a, we're not a comedy bar. And they just like, so like there's this mic 
that I like going to every Monday. It's like a talk show themed open mic. It's a lot of fun. People show up to it without that mic. There's no business at that time. But the bar just arbitrarily decided to not do it because it doesn't like mesh with but whatever. We can't book you on water balloon burlesque night. Yeah. Everybody's getting wet off water balloon burlesque night in, in South Brooklyn. So you guys were here the night. I mean, you were all, all three of you were here when Trump got elected. What, what did, what did you notice? Huh? So we did say 9 11. Yeah. I, I, I was hoping to, but uh, what did you notice about the tone of like open mics and shows directly after Trump got elected? They were bad. <laughs> I didn't go I to did, them. Yeah, I didn't go for Who like a couple weeks. Who was going to comedy in that state of mind? You I had to Mike. perform the day after. Yeah, I did. A, I, I went to a, a protest. I, yeah, I had to perform for a bunch of college kids the day after Ooh. doing Ooh. like all race related and political material, and they were not having it. Really, they were not into it. This was in Chicago, so like eight years ago in Chicago, complete opposite sentiment. Uh, and they were just they were not ready to laugh at anything related to that. It yeah. also seems like college students are the premier demographic for confusing comedy for politics. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like thinking, like he made the joke on the stage, and now that is the world. Now, now that yeah. is our policy. Yeah, <laughs> racist comedian. The world is racist. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I had... uh, sorry. Go. Ahead. Uh, oh, sorry. I was just gonna say I had a very weird day that day because I had had. Um, I actually had breakfast with a uh, comedian who had Brexit. I swear to Brexit. God, if you talk yeah. about lactose intolerance right now, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, was, I had breakfast with me yeah. and I farted really loudly. It may have caused Trump to get elected. The fumes traveled and d- decreased turnout. I shouldn't um, have said anything. <laughs> no, but I had... Hey, the GOP is going to run that fart in 2020. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Hell yeah, How low suck. are they going to stoop? This is a great their, podcast. With their nominees. Uh, but no, I had breakfast with a successful comedian who was just like telling me how everything I'm doing is wrong. Just not just, you know, career-wise, st- state on stage-wise, just everything. And then I had... That same day, election day, a uh, the last class uh, for an improv class I was taking, and which was like the polar opposite thing. Like they went around, we went around a circle saying, "Like this is what makes you a really gifted performer." And then Trump won, so it was a very surreal day. But yeah, it took me a couple. I I think your mic was the first time I got up uh, after that. A couple, which took me like I guess it was two days, but you know, so it was a nurturing experience. Yeah. Uh, I, I was there. Yeah, I was just like, I'm going to take a step back from comedy for a few weeks, leave the heavy lifting to Bill Maher. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> leave it to the professionals. I Yeah, I went to... Uh, See what Milo has to say about this. I, I went I went to D.C. like two weeks after that. I was working at the D.C. Draft House, and I had been doing all of this all of this like election stuff in the run-up to it, and then on stage, I don't know, I was just sort of like... Just out of habit, I went into my bit about Hillary Clinton and was immediately like, oh, what am I doing? And like <laughs> The pe- people in the room were just like, oh, fuck, really? Someone threw a shoe at you. Wait, is this yeah. the Scott Baio one? What? The Scott Baio one about how, what if she hated Scott Baio the way Trump hates Oh, Rosie? no, 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 no. I, oh, okay. the, Hillary, uh, the Hillary Clinton joke was just like, I had a bad feeling about the election. 
because it felt like America was holding a loaded gun into its own head, and the only person who could talk us out of pulling the trigger is Hillary Clinton. <laughs> it's like if you were standing on the edge of a building going like, I'm going to jump, and then the cops down on the street come on the bullhorn, and they're like, we have someone here to talk to you. It's your least favorite teacher from elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> but I did that joke, and everyone was just like, what we were trying to forget about that for just like an hour like no one wanted to hear about it for a couple weeks she's the bigfoot now leave her alone but it also felt so fucking weird to like just go up and not talk about it when it was weighing so heavily like new york was in a horrible mood for weeks after that people were like frowning outside everywhere you went and it they had uh, looks in their eyes like fights were gonna break out Mm mm-hmm and there were women crying in the streets. It was actually like a week or two. So I, uh, my day job, I'm a lunch server. I, I'm a waiter at uh, for lunches. And so FSP. F- food service professional, that's right. So after election day, it was a Wednesday, and basically everyone was drinking. Like every other customer I had like wanted like a shot of tequila, fucking margarita, uh but that's like dark drinking. It doesn't even yeah. make you feel better. It just like d- it takes a sludgehammer to the feeling of your brain <laughs> right. to, so you can I, get through the day. I have a th- like I'm I'm 29 years old and I still haven't figured out how to respond when people go, "Hey, how's it going?" Uh so like my my stock response for a while was always keeping it together. And then, <laughs> and people would be like, "Oh, that's funny. David's funny." And then like after the election, I would say that and people are like, yeah dude me too <laughs> me too how how did you do it <laughs> i always go the other way with it because i don't know how to talk to people like a human either and I, people always ask me how i'm doing i'm like fan fucking tastic they're like oh he's not doing so great and oh like, yeah i tried to he's switch, on cocaine right now. i tried switching to that for a little bit like yeah. i'm great and they're like why where are you so great i'm like oh wow yeah those now i have to think of another you. thing <laughs> well then you can come up with a random lie <laughs> right. i shouldn't be giving anyone advice on small talk i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about it's it was weird for me because I don't know if you share this, but I, I felt this kind of like guilt, which is since turned right back into self righteousness about voting for Jill Stein. I uh, didn't in New York because well, no, I, I, I right. know how the system works. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't. I mean, I wouldn't have done the same thing somewhere else. But I still there was so much hatred. There still is so much hatred dedicated to third party voters, regardless of where you voted. That like. You know, you know. I, I remember somebody. Okay, like, first of all, Doctor Jill Stein. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, David is Jill Stein. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, like I don't feel guilt, but I like it's a good act out for the podcast. I knew in the back of my head, I just felt like disingenuous, like commiserating with people. When the back of my head, I know that if I told them who I would, who I actually voted for, they would just like start screaming at me. They you know. would, though. Yeah. Everyone was unhinged for like a week. And because we're on comedy social media, it's first of all, like five times more people on your network than you would normally have. And all of them spitting hot takes all the time, which is in general uh, why I feel like comedians are often the worst people to consult for politics. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Because they're not looking for politics. They're looking for the hot take. Right. The Which hottest, is not always the right thing. It's just like, the funniest. What Based do I the, identify well, with? What's provocative? Yeah, it, it's like like the the whole internet. The currency is just being right uh, at all costs. And it, but we're the ones who are trying to monetize it and make it into a career. 
Like, it's oh, true. it's so true. Like, that's what we're all going for. But now that market is so fucking saturated because every asshole on Twitter has their own thing. Yeah, like, left Twitter is doing better political comedy than most political comics. Mm-hmm. It's way more entertaining. Right. And, be- well, a lot of that has to do with the information that they So get is it. right Twitter, honestly. I yeah, mean, if we're, dude, if, Pepe If we're being is... honest about who has the strongest meme game, oh. I fuck with Pepe, dude. You fuck with Pepe? Yeah, I fuck with Pepe. <laughs> I, got, I got a Pepe tattoo right here. <laughs> <laughs> I saw... Um, no, Anders, you should... Tell me if I've like talked about this on the podcast before, but I saw a right-wing video meme right when they hired Sean Spicer that was... It totally took me out of it because it was very impressive and funny and good. And I'm so used to any conservative media just being like, I didn't know how fonts worked. Here's a video of my uncle or whatever. And this had like flashy video game sounds. It was Sean Spicer owning people and a meter filled up that said MAGA at certain points. And then it got to the top and shades fell onto his head. And then the Ice Cube song played where it was like, ding, ding, dong, ding, 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 dong. And I was like, yeah, Sean Spicer. Oh, no. Well, yeah. And that, that comes from like the the rise of the alt-right. We've talked about this on the show before. But now these younger alt-right types who didn't want to embrace the Christian right and the Kakistanis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and now they've they found these people to coalesce with. And like being a conservative can be kind of cool too, guys. <laughs> you know, it's real fun. Uh, accumulation of private property and goods. And anime porn. <laughs> well, anime porn was already such a lucrative uh, base to begin with that whoever got a hold of that firebrand was going to the top, and that's just how it was. <laughs> so I, I don't know what the source was for this, so I guess take it with a grain of salt. I don't want someone to be like, oh, the liberal media gets it wrong again. But uh, so someone reposted like a map uh, of the United States that had every state by like what the most popular Pornhub searches. <laughs> and there were three states that was that were cartoon and they were all in the South. Wow. <laughs> it was like Tennessee, Alabama, and Georgia or something they like did a, that. The world maps for those are fascinating. Because <laughs> like the most homophobic pun- countries are all gay stuff. And then there's one that's like a fisherman with his mouth open luring in a bus or something it's yeah, like what that, it, yeah. it makes more sense in polish that's <laughs> bulgaria yeah yeah that's definitely someplace in eastern europe what was minnesota oh sister porn i think yeah yeah it was yeah, like it was step like sister yeah, yeah it's like step sister okay. step brother porn and they type in it is cold and they see what happens <laughs> most of the country was lesbian porn hmm. hey, they're a beautiful guys, people you know what i get down with Civil forfeiture. <laughs> Civil forfeiture. <laughs> Is that one like no, you have good. to sell the house and then they fuck? Yeah, I well, have seen it's that. when the state like uh, takes your house and they're like, it's bothers now. But it's always like a I, sexy realtor who's like, you have no choice against the state of New York, and then they <laughs> they fuck in a glass house. <laughs> I guess in so. A glass house. <laughs> Porn always has the nicest houses, man. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> no, they do. <laughs> Always. <laughs> oh, yeah. I pull out a chart. Uh- <laughs> you seen that German porn? It's weird. For the setting. That's why it's weird. Well, when it's high budget, if it's like Brazzers or any of the top industries with millions of dollars behind them, it's like, yeah, you know what? We'd sell- why not shoot one in the Grand Canyon? Does uh, does Rupert Murdoch... I can think of some reasons. 
David, no one asked you. Snakes. <laughs> evil can evil might fly into you. <laughs> commute. Uh, family commute. <laughs> There's a ton of not outs- enough. outside Fam- not porn. Not enough families. It's very dusty. Yo, how come families never run into the outside porn people in the final <laughs> days? Like, that is my new uh, Pornhub search. <laughs> Family walks in on couple fucking in the woods. <laughs> Violent reactions. <laughs> they leave Midwe- in the takes where Midwestern like... Western family walks in on gangbang at Zion National Park. <laughs> <laughs> they leave in the takes where sometimes like a lonely man will walk in and he'll just be like, whoa, 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 no. Because <laughs> people are just like, yeah, not for you, cuck, or whatever. Is that the thing? How did we get a... Oh, yeah. See, I didn't... I don't... I actually don't watch... Uh, pornography, but uh, I, don't like, I don't either, really. Yeah, it's, I am not into it. Yeah, right, it's neither. not for everybody. It doesn't mean you're like, you know, a freak, but um, I, I do remember... I, am, I just don't watch it. <laughs> yeah. To everyone listening who thinks Anders is a freak, he's not a freak. <laughs> I'm just not freaky, you know? <laughs> I don't know what your messaging is for this. <laughs> Where's this going? Well, what I was so when I like did see porn uh, growing up, you see it from time to time, and I guess this was in a different era. Is it still the case where is that more still common now? Because I remember for like people to walk in on two people having sex and then start like giggling and they're like, "Oh, we were doing it," <laughs> and then they join in, right? That still happens. No, it's just oh, like yeah, an yeah. argument okay. for the entire the rest of the board. No? <laughs> yeah, if it's I told porn. you not to fucking hear. It's like I thought you just meant the kitchen. <laughs> well, this is a severe misunderstanding. <laughs> there are a few porns that try to tackle politics, and I do really Nail admire and Palin. that. Nail and Palin, Lisa Ann. Uh, it, she's in New York. She's doing stand-up comedy now. Really? really? Yeah, she got. She like had a regular show at New York Comedy Club. She might still have it. This but is the woman who played Sarah Palin. She played Sarah Palin. She was a bustier Sarah Palin. But she's like, I think like around the same age. And she, I guess by that point, you have so much money that you're just like, oh, let's follow my other passions. Larry Flint was um, very outspoken, uh, progressive donor, right? Of Hustler Magazine. He wrote for some reason. But he's reason, not in it. No, him. Yeah, he's not. Uh, well, the back issues. I, I think he does a couple spreads, but uh, I guess I'm just wondering, like, when they tackle specific subject matter like that, what's the what's the angle? Is it just like libs are gonna fucking come for this one? <laughs> I think it's just anything <laughs> topical, right? It's just. Because it's in the news. Yeah, it's just like, uh, I mean, the Sarah Palin thing was like, uh, you know how you hate this lady? You want to you wanna see her get stuff shoved up her ass? Like, what? <laughs> it's a you know, you know, like, it's not like, I don't think ass. that they like really, I, I haven't seen that porno, so I could be uh, completely wrong on this. I don't think they like got into. They fit like, jokes in. Yeah. They make it funny for you too. Yeah, right. but it's that's it does the, it all. They're also fulfilling a, like a fantasy that millions of people undoubtedly have. About it's true. Sarah, Sarah had a dark allure to her. Yeah, same with any public <laughs> figure. You know, uh, leave it in, future Alex. Leave it in. <laughs> um, well, back back to what were we talking? Yeah, we, no, we got we way off track. That uh, political con- who's a conservative comic who you guys think is actually funny do they exist 
Norm no. McDonald? No. Is, Nobody. Nor, yeah, more, Norm McDonald's like libertarian, right? I feel like he's just kind of apathetic. Yeah, he's very he's like, in your face. He's not like a on. political comedian, though. Yeah, there are no funny conservative yeah, very true. political uh, You did comedians. ask political. I mean, I guess uh, like, Colin Quinn is conservative-ish. And he, he was funny back in the day, I think. Like fucking Louis. I, don't, I haven't watched his stand-up in a long time. Uh, but. N- Nick DiPaolo is pretty conservative, but his act isn't necessarily like overtly political. It's uh, just sort of like... I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of guys, especially like old New York guys, who are like where it's just like caveman stuff, you know, where it's just like yeah, yeah you know, when I was a kid, uh, and uh, some of them are very funny. I mean, I think I think Bill Burr probably has a lot of positions that you could not torture me into agreeing with, but I mm. uh, I like the way I like the cut of his jib. I like the way <laughs> he does uh, standing up comedy. Well, to to a certain extent, it's personality, right? And then to a lot of it, it's the physical like muscle flex of being good at stand up, right. knowing how to talk in the certain format and lay things out in the right structure that makes people laugh, regardless of whatever the fuck you put in there. <laughs> Which is the same reason why Dennis Miller bot is fun. Some of my favorite comedy I've found is he's, like he's so goddamn funny. <laughs> he makes Henry Kissinger look like uh, <laughs> like uh, Herman Goring. Henry Kissinger <laughs> is so impertinent. He makes Florence Nightingale look like Captain Ahab. <laughs> <laughs> Florence Nightingale was known for her impertinentness. <laughs> Yeah, that's a remake I gotta see. But I always love it seeing there like there are some people who do I guess political comedy, but it, but they'll do jokes that just have this kind of WTF factor in them. It's just like they just will take an absurd position that clearly they don't even believe. But oh, it's just contrarian funny. comedy is like my least well, favorite but form it's beyond comedy. contrarian. It's just like so ridiculous and stupid that like they clearly are not they don't even believe what they're saying it's just like uh ray kump used to have this joke about how america is most racist against the chinese because we owe them all this money that uh we're never gonna pay back and so like he like goes, no one thinks that yeah like right. nobody really but in oh, the joke louis does that all the time i mean yeah yeah he, he does that too he has yeah. that, that that one joke that's like i don't think you should ever rape somebody unless like you want to fuck them and they won't let you and it's like, like clearly which that, is it, which is more like about the language of it than yeah. the idea mm-hmm. like but there's like there are some comics and I will not name them they they clearly take a widely accepted moral position and then they like flip it right and that's like their worldview but it's just like hey what if murder was cool yeah it's the Jared Leto joke Leto's joker of stand up yeah. It's just like, yeah, what if uh what if sickness reigned in and, this and if, comedy? If they're club? any good, they look like a genius. Right. And uh, and then people some people love that shit. I right. mean, eat it I up. think I mean, I think it's very difficult to do that well. The guys who are really good at it are some like Ryan Stout is an unbelievable comic who uh almost his whole thing is like just contrarianism but uh there's always like there's always at least a kernel in there to get people to go along with like the horrible shit that he's saying there does seem to be this like i mean we're talking earlier about the hot takes and that i think succeeds based on just you know having like a very small amount of information about like the news of the day and you just like kind of just re like you know 
you regurgitate the common wisdom well, and people like it just because it's like and it's just true. Any, any fucking idiot can do yeah. it too it's like right. the, uh i mean everyone's just scoring points like yeah like when the frame yeah. selection happened like every other joke was wow turns out France is better than us. I'm like, right. no, and Canada any, too. Do you know yeah. anything about France? <laughs> <laughs> or these people? Yeah, and, and with Trudeau and in Canada, like these two guys are hot, sure, but they suck. Like they're terrible. <laughs> well, my favorite, my Pipes favorite thing is uh, is just people going like, "Well, if this guy did this, you'd be like the thing with the Kathy Griffin thing uh, yesterday." Uh, sorry, I'm dating this, uh, but. Uh, but when Kathy Griffin held up Donald Trump's severed head in a picture, it's like, oh, what if Ted Nugent had done this with Obama's head it, like five years ago? People uh, would have been furious. And it's like, yeah, well, I don't know. I think a good rule of thumb is just to not engage with stuff that doesn't fucking matter like yeah. that. Like when when uh, there was that, uh, like last month, there was that video of... Like Trump forgetting to put his hand on his heart during the during the national anthem. Ladies and, and gentlemen, and, we got him. <laughs> bring him in. Bring in the troops. And you these, must resign, sir. And, and all these like all these you liberals. Should, on, you're technically not president anymore. <laughs> Who is this? Uh, Alex Patak. <laughs> but, but all the all these liberals are on Twitter. Like, oh, if Obama did that, conservatives would have been furious. And it's like, yeah, well, let's not sink to their fucking level. Who gives a shit? I don't care well it's also that point has been made like three million times (laughs) and it's so unnervingly boring that you even bring it up yeah oh you let colin kaepernick run for office now (laughs) when i when i hear the the national anthem i put my hand up your mother's asshole i don't care what you do with yours i don't that's a classic mr sit down I'm very tired. All the time. I, I will say I am a little surprised at the shade that has been thrown towards Miss Griffin for that uh, photo. I didn't, you know, Young like Miss Griffin. Yeah, <laughs> like that's not a bad. Uh, like it's it's she has the right to do that, right? And that's well, of course, you know. conservatives are fucking pissed. They're always they're always pissed. Yeah, but there's like liberals who are like, well, I don't condone that she was wrong oh yeah the the way people are distancing themselves yeah. from her like it fucking matters like right it's yeah for sure it doesn't matter she's i not actually disavow gonna... kathy griffin <laughs> <laughs> uh there's a lot of pressure on you guys to as, denounce kathy as, griffin as fierce an advocate uh, as she's who's been putting for pressure what's on right us, the heritage foundation <laughs> <laughs> i uh can't make a joke because i don't know what kathy griffin does so <laughs> That's where she we wins are. Grammys. She wins <laughs> Grammys for some reason. All she that's does it. is win. <laughs> <laughs> is that going to... But do you guys think that's a uh, legitimate thing we should be concerned about, about just as people who speak publicly, you know, sometimes we make livings off of it, often not, but, uh, the, you know, it's what we do. Is that being impeded on or... Or is it... Yeah, is that a, th- a threat, you know? Uh, like we're talking a little bit about Colbert... A little, a little while ago um, about how he made the joke about Trump and Putin doing it. And somebody said, hey, that's homophobic. And the FCC actually said, okay, we're going to look into this. You know, like these things can't, there is the infrastructure there for the federal government to uh, bother people who speak out. Maybe not a, go around arresting people, obviously, but, you know, like if you're Kathy Griffin, if you're an entertainer who speaks out against uh, the administration and short of i mean short of people 
like going to jail for this shit, I'm not worried about it at all. Like if yeah. if, if what Trump what Colbert said upsets you, then don't watch his fucking show. I don't I don't watch his show. I don't. Like, no, late night I, is a terrible format, and people should stop doing. <laughs> uh, I endorse late night. I love it so much. Uh, <laughs> I fun. Ha! I like yeah. it. In case there are I mean, any Colbert if, listeners, or you sound producers like you're doing late night at all times. <laughs> yeah, you got a real Fernwood tonight vibe about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to look in the Dennis Miller generator for that. Yeah, I don't think it's a huge. I, it doesn't concern me. What I, what concerns me more is like comedy, maybe institutions that are like married to commerce and big business. Who are clamping down on their own comedians or something like that? Yeah. Like maybe I mean, because that's a matter like, of actual resources. Yeah, exactly. And then actual interests that are interfering, and that those people actually have power over comedians, right? Whereas, like uh, firing writers for saying for tweeting something. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, they can't tell a joke on the show. Yeah, that that bothers me. Uh, like external interference from like government entities doesn't concern me as much. Why not, not that they couldn't do something. I just don't think they will. When I was a uh, 21-year-old edgelord, uh, I worked at, uh, I interned for the Colbert Report, and at the end, Whoa. they let you ask Stephen a question, and so we're all together, and everybody's just like, what was your favorite joke? Do you like your wife? And uh, I like, uh, I had my leather jacket like zipped wife? down, and uh, I raised my hand real cool in the back, and I was like... You ever sick of the stuff they don't let you joke about? <laughs> and he was just like, they let me do fucking whatever, man. And I was just like, uh, the corporate snake is in too dear. <laughs> uh, you can't even admit it, can you? <laughs> I, I, I thought the uh, scope of repression was staggering at the time. <laughs> Not just that he knows what people want to give it to them. Yeah, I yes. mean, what's probably sadder about maybe late night, the late night circuit, is how they're not willing to actually push boundaries, maybe. But I think I mean, it's the format is just not yeah. I, I I don't feel like that's much of a problem now when there are so many other options available. Like the the media landscape is so fractured now, and like the entertainment uh, landscape is so fractured now that there are so many niche things that I don't really think people have to worry as much about the gatekeepers going like you can't do that we're going to fire you from being a comedian now. No. You can just take your shirt off and do it on Snapchat for free later. <laughs> yeah, The Daily Show wasn't as influential as Jon Stewart was influential. Yeah. Yeah, that's who people are listening to. It's true. Yeah. John, run. What and are you waiting for? Yeah. Run. Would you, you think, would, back do you think he would ever actually run for office like Al Franken? I don't think I would like him to, but... Because Al Franken, like... Even though he's maybe more centrist on some things, but he's a like dedicated long-term politician and yeah, actually he's very serious about it too. Yeah. John Stewart's like been in entertainment for like fifty years. If he wanted to get into politics, he would have done it ten years ago. He's not doing it now. Well, I would say he's about he's pro- maybe younger now than Franken was. Yeah, when I think Franken's like fifty-five or something. Yeah. When I, I, my guess for these ages are wildly off. But, uh, uh, used to come uh, to my parents' restaurant. Yeah, yeah, I was in my really? head going like, yeah. how, how old is John Stewart? Yeah. Like 74 or something? <laughs> <laughs> but his politics are also 
kind of uh, more, you know, the Bush years. Like they're they're uh, more of a. Fr- I mean, it's like two thousand four. I remember like that. I remember hearing like this is the Daily Show election. This is you know like people now talk the way people talk about social media now. We thought satire was really this huge influential thing. It's at a the double-edged time. sword, and it can be wielded against your enemies. Or it, it is about as effective face. as anything else, and most things are not that effective. Uh, the one thing I will advocate for right? on my uh, yeah. politics podcast is uh, going out and meeting people and doing politics is more effective than doing comedy about politics. Oh, yeah. Always. Which we've said a million times. I just feel like it's worth repeating over and over again. Because uh, people don't seem to get it. They Like, at least the people we're around all the time are just like, I did it. I took down Senator Karloff from Senator Nebraska. Karloff? Sen- yeah, the, see how deep the <laughs> Senator <Russians>? Dracula. <laughs> Alex, think of an American name. Karloff. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, like the- I tell you, that senator is so goddamn crooked. He makes Robert McNamara look like Henry VIII. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we we've had a good run in here, right? Yeah, let's. Uh, we should we should wrap it. What are like annoying things you guys see in political comedy or people who are attempting political comedy that you wish less people would do? I wish uh, there would be. How do I phrase this? I wish there would be less libs. I think we could use around a third of the lib comedians who that's their whole brand out right now. Um, and what would a lib? What does a lib comedian sound like to you? Okay, so you know someone who's out there and is saying things that are not, you know, wild or imaginative, but thinks they're really cutting edge. So like taking down Trump, yeah, makes me Jesus Christ. But the reason. I, it particularly bothers me is because it has its own currency now because we're back in a heavy conservative presidency where it feels like you can be revolutionary just by not liking a guy. And so there's people signing up to hop on that train who think they're checking power who are really just being partisan douchebags. So what Alex is saying is... Be more poor Trump, pro Trump. Uh, yes, like Trump more. He's such a strong man, <laughs> and a winner, and yes. a winner too. And I such nice clothes. Uh, yeah, it's a, like there's so much pandering to just a handful of memes about like, oh, he's got little hands, and it's like, oh God, is that. <laughs> Was that funny at one point? I think it was funny for before uh, he admitted to rape and like <laughs> yeah, a million right. worse the, the things. The story yeah. about the Vanity Fair writer, how he harassed him, that was funny. Yeah. How insecure he is about it is about funny. how he used the gold sharpie to outline his hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and like bragged about. He's like call, calls him up, so like, hey, you know that hot girl at the party? Yeah, I fucked her, and then hangs up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what he would do to reporters. He He's a funny them. guy. Yeah, he's cool, dude. We should all respect him. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think as far as political comedy, like personal stuff is all I believe is political. A lot of things, and I applaud people who talk about like gender and race and stuff on stage. I guess where I maybe get a little annoyed uh, with something that I'm totally guilty of is um, sort of talking about yourself as talking about these issues as if you're somehow like above them. Like you're, this, this is true with like a lot of white 
male comedians who basically chastise other white males, which can be effective. But if you're doing it in a way that I, I feel like you should talk about you, you know, you should say like, I used to believe this thing. And that it was stupid. Instead of saying like, "Oh, these other white guys," yeah. Whenever they, they you don't say get your own race and talk about them like they're different people, it's very strange. Right. Yeah. Stop talk. That's my yes. That's one of my biggest complaints. White people talking about white people in the second person, like that sentence yeah, right I mean, there. I think I think comedy in general is so much better if you can personalize it. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, also just don't lose sight of the fact that you're just some fucking idiot who wants to talk for a living. Like, you don't have... Like, stop acting like you have this level of insight that no one else does. Yeah, uh, the fuck you. And if you did and you and you weren't a piece of shit, you would go do something with it other right. than fucking comedy. Mm-hmm. Get a fucking real job. It's literally the most useless thing you could do. Don't do comedy if you're listening and you're I'll thinking fucking, about doing comedy. I'll fucking end your life. Don't do that. <laughs> Call me. And we, there's got to be a, there's gotta be a middle ground there. And we do what? have to wrap up soon to get yeah. to a mic, guys. Let's so. wrap up. Uh, <laughs> do these hot cafe takes our, this, tr- our truth is important this trump guy man this guy <laughs> is so hypocritical if he you makes see- bertrand russell look like <laughs> babe ruth <laughs> wait did bertrand russell come up multiple times in this meme generator <laughs> All right. All right. Well, uh, David, you got anything to plug? Um, I mean, if you're if, if you are in uh, Bushwick, uh, there's a, a weekly comedy show at the Dromedary Bar on uh, Irving uh, every Sunday night uh, that I host with my friend Max Bruno. It's called My Freaky Roommate, Torch. Max Bruno. He's a strong man. Uh, and so that's every week at 9 o'clock. If you're in the neighborhood, come by and uh, tell them uh, the the uh, Left Jest podcast sent you. <laughs> and it'll be free. Uh, and <laughs> Only y- if that, yeah. You can also you can follow me on Twitter at Twite Privilege. Uh, that's T V E I T Privilege. That's a reference to white privilege, the uh, theory popularized by Macintosh. the the thoroughly debunked theory. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anybody else plugs? Uh, I got. When's this coming out? Early June. Uh, another yes. few weeks. Uh, see me at the uh, Rar Bar. June 20th. Oh, oh I like that show. Yeah, That's yeah, fun. It'll be fun. Oh, uh, also, if you if you know Anders and you're listening to this in uh, Twin Cities area, I'm going to be headlining at the Royal Comedy Theater in Hopkins, Minnesota on June 15th through 17th. Headliner nice. alert. Headliner alert. <laughs> the alert Headliner the alert. <laughs> and come to our show, June 24th, paid protest. Benefit for the DSA, all the hottest comics. We're looking at the lineup now, folks, and it's looking hot. <laughs> yeah, Andrew just pulled down his collar. You couldn't see it. But uh, come to our show and follow us on iTunes. Like, subscribe, five stars. Just do this for your good friends, okay? Twitter at The Real Left Jess. At The Real Left Jess. All We're right. working on Instagram, too. Keep your eyes peeled for that one. All right, my little babies. Night, night. Ah.